0: hey folks you're listening to the accessible hunter podcast i'm greg trainer along with my co-host mike hudson and thanks so much for joining us today today we're joined by matt miller of trying hard outdoors matt is a competitive crossbow shooter in asa and ibo that's the archery shooters association and the international bow hunting organization matt is also a guide for collins low country hunt club and he coached Matt Brackenrich to his recent world championship. We had such a great time talking with Mac last time that we wanted to bring him back and talk more about competitive 3D archery. Well, Matt, welcome to the show, and thanks for joining us today, and welcome back, Mac. Uh, We're so glad to have you guys with us. I know Mike and I have been chomping at the bit to ask you guys a bunch of questions, so uh, welcome aboard.
1: Thank you for having me. Yeah, good to be back with you all.
0: Now, uh, Matt, we had talked before, and I kind of had a lot of follow-up questions about your experience and talking with you and talking about, you know, Matt and uh, finding out he was your coach. Um, Matt, uh, how long have you been shooting uh, crossbows competitively? Because you're you're a professional archer, right? Matt. Yes how how long have you been shooting
2: uh, professionally matt i started shooting i was trying to figure this out earlier today i think my first year bow hunting was 91 wow. and then i bow hunted just for a couple of years and then well, not even just a couple of years or so and then started getting into the tournament side of it and did a lot of years till the early 2000s and got out of it for a couple of years and then got back into it back in 03 or 04 uh, as far as the competition side of, of seriously doing it
0: so, so you've got years of experience on the competition circuit as well as bow hunting itself
2: i do yeah and i mean a lot of the competition in the beginning was just you know local tournaments you know local archery clubs and, and shooting there and then the one pro shop that we were getting our equipment from and dealing with, we became friends with the owners and the one owner was a big competitive shooter. And he started talking about travel and all this other stuff. I was smart enough or dumb enough, I guess, depending on how you want to look at it, to say, yeah, I'll try that. (laughs) It's it's been kind of downhill ever since.
0: Oh man. There's, there's nothing like archery. I I know, you know, I, I started bow hunting about 15 and I've never shot competitively competitively. I've done a few, you know, local 3D tournaments and stuff like that. But I just find archery just to be, like, the ultimate challenge to myself personally. And uh, it's just so enjoyable.
2: It is. I mean, that's – on the hunting side of it, to me, I've always said I, I, I want to see the deer blink. I mean, that's that's the thrill to me. It's is not necessarily shooting them, but just – if I can get that close to see them blink, I won. I, I won the game. I won the chess – tournament however you want to look at it and then okay if i'm going to shoot the deer i do if i don't whatever but i you know that that's the the goal to me is just to get that close and they don't know i'm there okay that's you know we're good
0: absolutely uh there's nothing like being 20 yards from a from a nice buck or even a mature doe for that matter i mean the the senses of a mature doe a lot of people don't give that a lot of credit but if you're able to get up on a on a nice deer, you know, mature deer, and you're beating their senses, uh, you're absolutely doing something.
2: Well, as an outfitter, I'll tell you this. The smartest deer in the woods is a three- to five-year-old adult doe. <laughs> I believe it. I, I believe mean, it. A, a buck just like the rest of us, that time of year, he's going to get dumb, and he's going to forget everything except one thing. But old mama doe, no. <laughs>
0: she,
2: she, she's always looking to bust us, right? Yeah. She knows what she knows the game and how to play it.
0: Well, you you mentioned being a guide and stuff. You're down at Collins Low Country Hunt Club. Uh, that's down near near uh, Mike, I believe, down in North Carolina, right?
2: We're in South Carolina. We're about an hour and fifteen minutes south of Columbia, due west of Charleston. Okay. Yeah, you're, you're not, not far, far from, from us, from us and I'm, in, in, I'm, I'm in Greenville, South Carolina. Okay, wow. no, you're not far at all. No, no I had to, to come up, up there and check you out. Absolutely.
0: I've been following along with you, uh, Matt on, on Facebook and looks like you guys harvested some really nice buck already in velvet too.
2: Uh, We've had a really, really good velvet season. Um, our velvet hunts are done. We'll still shoot a couple of velvet, but we won't bring anybody in on a quote unquote velvet hunt, uh, after Labor Day. That's our cutoff. At that point, a lot of the bigger bucks are going to be hard horned, um, yeah, somebody might get lucky and get one of velvet. But if that's their goal, if they want to come on a velvet hunt, we'll only bring them down between August fifteenth and Labor Day. Gotcha. Now, do you deal with people with disabilities at uh, at your um, guide service? Have you, have you had- absolutely our, our lodge? We built a brand new lodge four years ago now, and it is one hundred percent handicap accessible. Roll in shower, or full one level. Everything is is one hundred percent. Anybody can come in and hunt with us. That's awesome.
3: What's um, your
0: price
2: range on something like that, man? Just total guess. From... Our our hog hunts run ten ninety five. Our deer hunts are twelve ninety five, and our turkey hunts are thirteen ninety five. Yeah, and those are all four nights meals and lodging, and then three days of hunting.
3: Wow.
2: Okay. Okay. Not bad. Yeah, I, the I, The only thing we don't have, um is well i mean obviously we don't have a track there track chair there for people to use um and none of our vehicles are equipped with a with a ramp you know with a load in sure um but you know we've had multiple people down a very good friend of ours uh andy han passed away a couple years ago from als uh, but he hunted with us right till the very end and we would load him in one of our suburbans and take him out to the woods and put him back in his chair and get him out. I mean, it's, you know, well, if, there, where there's most, a will, there's a way. It,
0: exactly, Matt. If most people can get to the lodge, they probably have their own transportation. Right, right. A, anyway, and as long as they can get in and out of the of the woods somehow, some way, um, you know, it, it's, it's probably all set up. I mean, if you have the ground blinds that are wheelchair accessible or. Yeah. Or
3: what have you. So I was gonna say if you got a tractor, if you've got a
2: tractor with a trailer, we can figure it out. Yeah, we've got we've got all the equipment we've put guys in, we've got a uh ours is called the beast, but it's just a different version of a bad boy buggy. Yeah. Um, and one of our properties that we have is I don't know, a two minute buggy ride from the from the lodge to the entrance of about a fifteen hundred acre parcel. Um We've put guys into the bad boy, you know, into the buggy and just drove them right down there and put a blind around them. I mean, there's – anybody wants to come hunt with us, we're going to make it happen. That's yeah. awesome.
0: That's uh, Matt, are you, are you heading down to hunt with uh, Matt uh, sooner? Have you hunted with him? I haven't hunted That's with
1: him yet. Okay. I'm
2: hoping to get back in the woods when I get back from – When uh, when he gets home, we're going to – I've already got his crossbow dialed in and, and set up with broadheads. So, we're going to try and get in the woods here a little bit. Bow season will be, I'm not sure exactly what day you guys are getting home, but I know that'll be either right around opening day or, you know, that very beginning of early bow season. So, we're going to get in the woods and play a little bit there and at some point get him down to, to do some hog hunting with us in Carolina.
0: I'll be looking forward to seeing pictures of that. Uh, Mac is at Shepherd Center right now uh, following up on some physical therapy and are you uh making all the guys jealous about uh, your your 3D exploits over over the year, Mac?
1: Uh trying not to spread it around too much, but trying to get some <laughs> guys inspired to get back in the woods and you know try stuff that they uh, haven't tried before. We're just trying to get back to what they like to do. Uh, I actually talked to a North Carolina state trooper yesterday that was. Injured a while back and trying to get him inspired to get back out and do what he likes to do. So that's, that's
3: fantastic.
1: Trying to spread the cheer around and you know, just try to reach people. Yeah, you I know that's part of
3: what we do, man, is just continue to push
1: for us
0: I, I know whenever I was first injured and uh, I went to Shepherd and they took me out of my, my hospital bed and got me into a chair and I didn't even have any arm movement and they got me down to the gym shooting air rifle and that made all the difference for me. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm sure you talking with people saying, Hey, you know, you can still do things just a different way. I know that goes a long way to uh, inspiring people and, and letting them know that there is life after spinal cord injury and, not only life, but a fulfilling life at that.
1: There really is. And the, one of the outdoor rec therapists down here, Gavin, he actually remembered me from my first day, but he had seen, seen where we had done our first podcast here and remembered me from being down here. So he follows your page and uh, we've been talking about some different trigger options to make things a little bit easier and trying to, trying a couple different ways of shooting. So hopefully I uh, have some different ideas when I come back home and uh, a couple different options. That's that's
0: awesome. Uh, Mike, you're coming up this way in October for a hunt. Yep. Um, you want to tell us a little bit about that? And maybe we can all plan on getting together up here around Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah man. I, I, I got shows to, to come, come up there to a Tom Sipple hunt.
3: Uh, still debating on the dates they've given me uh, October the 12th opening day but then they uh, backed up and said if I wanted to come 16th, 17th or 18th whatever works best they wanted me to check out that new lot
0: Awesome and uh, Mac if you're going to be back in West Virginia maybe uh, the three of us could get to a a, a Morgantown spot uh, or something like that and maybe have lunch and and uh, solve, solve some of the world's problems with <laughs> triggers and adaptive equipment.
1: That'd be great. I think that would probably help us all out a lot and kind of get us on the same page with a couple of things. And awesome. That's right.
0: That's right. Now, Matt, whenever you started coaching uh, Mac for this year's uh, 3D uh, World Championship, is he the first uh, quadriplegic you had worked with, or how did you guys decide to, to make a run for it this year?
2: I had worked with our the guy I was talking about earlier, Andy Hahn, that had ALS, um, just as a friend, and I helped Andy Hunt quite a bit. Um, so I had a, a concept of what was required. You know, I mean, obviously, you know, you guys deal with it firsthand, you know, but I had experienced some of it and, and kind of knew what. Basically, I was getting myself involved with to help. Um, nice, but as as soon as Mac showed the interest, I was more than happy and more than willing to to do what we needed to do. And I mean, that was one of the things we talked about as we did it. Is you know, we might not be able to do it, quote unquote, the right way or the way everybody else does it or anything else. But give us a little bit of time, and we'll figure it out and make it happen. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's, I-
0: I'd say you boys were pretty successful if you won the world championship on the first go round.
1: <laughs> it took a lot of practice and a lot of trial and error. The two months that we shot to really get on yeah, the yeah. same page and uh, learn how to work with each other. Well you, Max, Max, if you get if you you down, you guys do
3: do got take that open, open taste, taste. You if want to try it, up, pulse pulse or, or anything or else? Yeah,
1: else. I look. I'm gonna try to. Um, Plan out some time to where I can get down there. Hopefully, um, yeah, we yeah. can get on the same page here soon. As soon as I get back, sure, I'm sure. a little crazy with coming down here. So, um,
0: I I got a couple of crazy questions for you guys. Like on this three D uh, competition, what's some of the strangest animals you shoot, or what's like the hardest part being on the competition circuit?
2: I guess the, for me, the the craziest animal would be. ASA added a, a target this year called a taper, which is yeah, like man. an it's an anteater of some sort. Um, and I don't know whether in real life they're like this, but the target is literally half black and half white. It's look like you painted it and it's half and half. To me, that's the, the strangest or, or oddest looking target. Um, and I think if you ask anybody that shoots competitive 3D, they'll tell you the hardest target is the turkey.
0: Just just the size of it or the the scoring rings or
2: well it's I mean for argument's sake, picture a beach ball with scoring rings on it. Gotcha. It's very difficult yeah, yeah. to tell exactly where the scoring rings are or if the targets turn just a little bit or lean just a little bit can move where that ring is three or four inches.
1: I would agree with that because it's got the feather details in it and um, the different ridges of the feathers right through the middle of the scoring ring.
0: With, so, with regard to the scoring ring, what, what are the scores on, on a target generally?
2: There's two different scoring systems um, with, for the two different sanctioning bodies. Uh, the ASA Archery Shooters Association does five points for anything that hits the body. Uh, excluding the hoof or the antlers, is five points. Okay. Then there's a larger mm-hmm. ring, which basically represents, for argument's sake, your lung area would be eight points. Then there's a small circle that's ten points. And in the very top, in the very bottom 45-degree corners of that ten ring is a small one-inch 12 ring. Wow. And then on the IBO side, they do the five points the same way. They do the eight the same way. They do the 10 the same way. But instead of having those two little 12 rings, they have one right in the middle that's a little bit bigger, and that's 11 points.
0: Okay. Okay. Now, are are you able Uh to use
2: range finders on the competition, or is it all
0: judging yardage too? or How does that work, Matt?
2: Different classes are different. Uh, The ASA offers known distance classes. Both of the ASA crossbow classes are known distance, so you can use your rangefinder. But you're shooting at that little 12 ring, that higher risk, you know, one little miss and you're into an 8 instead of a 10. Sure. On the IBO side, they don't offer any known distance classes, so that's all judging. And, you know, just figure out what it is and, and shoot for the best.
0: And Mac, that's where you were shooting, right? The IBO, right?
2: Correct. Yeah.
0: So, so you're you're an expert at judging yardage. If you and I are sitting in a ground blind together, you can tell me if it's 25 or 30 yards, huh?
1: I might be able to get you pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: I like it when my entire crossbow scope is on the deer. That, uh, that that's telling me I'm, I'm close enough to, to squeeze the trigger Yeah. That... <laughs> many events do you guys go to a year um is it like a cumulative point, uh, point thing for the championship or how does that work
2: both both series do a shooter of the year score which is a cumulative score and then each event is also its own score um okay. now like on the asa side uh the class i shoot is is a semi-pro crossbow class and I've got to attend five out of six of the tournaments. Okay. Um,
0: country I'm at, or where, where are they located mostly?
2: Mostly in the southeast. Uh, we go – this year we started in Alabama, then we went to Texas, then we went to Georgia, then we went to Kentucky, and then Illinois. Okay. Um, the IBOs are a little more – still based on the east coast, but a little more north um, – they're going to be Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Kentucky, uh, Ohio. Um, but definitely, you know, definitely for the most part further north than the ASA circuit is.
0: What, what's your favorite shootout of uh, all of them? What, what's your favorite to attend?
2: It's a hard call. Um, I really, really enjoy the ASA shootout in Texas. It's just it's it's a neat atmosphere. It's a different part of the country. Uh, the community and everything is really behind the event. Um, you know, you get your regular prizes and, and plaques from, from the ASA and from winning the tournament, but the actual chamber of commerce from the city makes everybody. Each winner from each class gets a quote unquote Texas belt buckle. Nice. Um, nice. not not quite as nice as the one Mac won <laughs> in West Virginia, um, but that you know they just the quote unquote Texas rodeo. You know, big flashy, all done up, um, yeah, really yeah. nice buckle. And that's right, anybody right. that's... that shoots competitive three D. To the three big things to win in your career are the IBO Worlds, the ASA Classic, which is their their world championships, and Texas. Those are the those are the three that everybody chases. That's what you want. Mac, Mac,
0: are you going to Texas then next? Uh, or are you just going to get another buckle?
1: <laughs> I, I might try to make it to Texas. I don't know. If, uh, I'm going to try to get another buckle, though.
0: Mike, I think you and I are missing out on this. I, I, I want a belt buckle too. Well,
1: well you know you what? That's what
3: I was, what was, just what I was just thinking, thinking about. about. we on
2: We'd be more than happy to have you. Awesome guys! The the Ma- first leg of the of the IBO Nationals next year is at Pipestem, West Virginia again, which is kind of in the middle for everybody. You know, you wouldn't be too awful far of a of travel for any of you guys to make it to. We, it's in Max' backyard, get, but-
0: yeah. <laughs> we should definitely plan on doing that. That'd be a nice weekend uh, to get there.
1: Yeah, that'd be a good place to meet up and have some fun and get the – Shooting, rolling. Well, if well, nothing, if nothing else,
3: else
0: all all three, three of us, need to
3: get together
0: work on one right.
1: yeah. yeah, absolutely. Or we'll work on that Morgantown trip, or somewhere in the middle, or whenever uh, Mike's up that way, Greg.
0: That that sounds great. Uh, are, are there a lot of wheelchair shooters at, at the events? Every every shooter? Does it vary, or how's the turnout for for us guys in chairs?
2: There's two guys in chairs that shoot pretty much every ASA event. Um, one guy, Austin Jones, shoots in a pro class with us.
0: Yeah, I, I know Austin.
2: Yeah, I actually, Austin and his dad are amazing people.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Talk about a never quit attitude, from both of them. You yeah. can't
2: be around that kid and be in a bad mood. I mean, I call him a kid, He's max age almost, but I mean, it's, you just, you can't, you can't. I, I've i never seen him not smile. I've never seen him not cracking up and making jokes and just living life.
0: That's what it's all about, man, uh, getting out there and, and being the best that you can be every day, you know?
2: Him and Jason are out in Wyoming right now mule deer hunting.
0: I've seen that. I've seen that. I seen that. I, I, uh, I really hope they do well and, and tag out. That that uh, would be awesome for, for Austin to get a, a big uh, mule deer. Oh, yeah. Um the competitions, guys, is it very expensive to to do? I mean, what, what does it cost besides the cost of your equipment and stuff? What what's associated
2: with, with getting into that? It varies. I mean, you can you can shoot both the ASA and the IBO will let you come shoot one event without even joining. So somebody okay. that just wants to try okay. it and go to one event with the exception of the championships, um, can just show up and shoot. And a regular class at most of the events is, I think it's like forty bucks or forty five dollars to shoot for a weekend. Okay, so we're um, really
0: kind of inexpensive. I mean, that's, yeah, it's that's cost of a movie or something. You know? Yeah,
2: but it's like anything else. I mean, you can, you know, you can get as as crazy as you want and go as deep as you want. Yeah, um, you know, you start traveling all over the country, and I figured it up. I haven't done my tallies yet for the year, but I'm over forty nights in a hotel. Wow. In 2019, yeah, yeah. between shows and tournaments. Well, b- besides the, the
0: Outfitter, you're sponsored by a couple different companies, right, Matt?
2: I yeah. am, and without their help, I wouldn't be able to do a fraction of what I do. Well, who, Who's your sponsors? We can give them a, a plug if you like. Mission Crossbows is is my primary. Um, they're a division of Matthews, and I've been with them... 2020 will be my third year with them, and they have just been phenomenal. I mean, anything I need, anything I want to do, they're behind me. Um, Technically, you know, there's a list of of events I'm supposed to be at and compete at every year, and IBL Worlds is one of them. Well, when Mac showed interest in shooting and we pitched this idea around of of doing this, I contacted them and said, look – kind of one of them, like it or not, I'll be there, but I'm not shooting. And told them Mm. what our plan was, and they were behind it a thousand percent. That's awesome. The first response from my immediate boss was, what do you need? You love to hear that. Yeah. I mean, they just, you know, hands down, no question, no issue, no problem, anything you need. They sent Max some jerseys. They sent this. Another crank device, I had one on one of my bows, and I just swapped it over if I needed to use my backup bow. Um, The next day, she put a $250 crank in the mail and sent it to me. Here you go. Wow. I mean, wow. uh, uh, Black Eagle Arrows, HHA Sports, they do the ones that build the optimizers that lets us put a rifle scope on the crossbows and dial them into exact yardage uh got a grip there's a company out of florida called got to grip makes pads and stuff to alter cheek welds and that kind of stuff on guns and bows we used a bunch of their stuff to be able to get mac into a comfortable shooting position you know to change the shape a little bit of the of the comb of the bow so it fit him and the position we needed to shoot from
0: no, no. i i can imagine at that level having the right equipment makes all the difference you know just the slightest uh, cheek weld, having have your head right down on the scope at the, at the right consistent spot every time. When you're competing at this type of level the a world championship, it, it has to make a difference, you know?
2: Oh, it's huge. And I mean, it. The, the, it's grown so much in the last three years. The level of competition has just gone through the roof. You know, four years ago, you could have shot on an ASA course. You could have shot even. You could have shot 400 points for the weekend. You know, we shoot 220 target ranges. You could have shot mm-hmm. even and been in contention for the podium. You might not have won, but you'd have, you'd have probably been second or third. Uh, at the ASA Classic this year, I shot a 240. I shot 40 points up and finished second. Wow. wow. Um, Just the equipment and the level of shooters and the dedication that the guys are putting into it is – Exploded in the last couple of years, and
0: maybe the amount of information getting out there with the internet and you know people researching things like never before. There's so much information available now that you know five, ten years ago.
2: That and it's crossbows for the longest time. And if you went, you know, a few years ago, if you went to an archery club and told them you wanted to shoot your crossbow, your crossbow, they'd look at you and say, That's not a bow, go home.
3: Yeah, I yeah. mean, that was
2: just the mentality, you know, they were, they were this evil thing. It was, I don't know where it came from, but that was the mentality of, you know, you may as well have been out there with, I don't know what, but I was, you know, you weren't an archer. You weren't, you didn't have any business there and it's slowly changing, um, crossbow competition in Europe and stuff is huge. And here we it's finally catching on. People are realizing it's no different. It's it, you hold it different. That's really it. It's still a bow. It does the same thing. You know, and in this situation, it lets a lot of people shoot that, that couldn't shoot a regular bow. You know, yeah, but yeah. there's no reason that anybody can't be out there competing or doing anything else they want to do just because they got to shoot a different style of a bow. So what? Narrow's narrow. You
0: know. Right. right. I think that's a really good point that it gets a lot of younger shooters in it gets a, a lot of older shooters in that can no longer pull their bow and really it opens up archery to people with disabilities but and anyone that wants to do it now there's a way to do it yeah and, you know that's that's an excellent point i've been really fortunate i have a local archery uh, club here falcon archers and they welcome me in with open arms and really helped me get started uh, with shooting my crossbow and They've just been a great group. but I think sometimes there is a lot of bias between, you know, vertical bows and crossbows or even traditional bows. And people get caught up in, if you don't do it how I'm doing it, then you're not really doing it. Right. And uh, I think that's that's an issue that we all need to think about and kind of,
2: you know, join together and and support each other a little bit better than what we're doing. Well, I mean, the studies have shown it's, I think it's like 80 some percent of the population are non-hunters. Yeah. And as organized and as strong-willed as the anti-hunters are, they're not who's going to beat us. It's them convincing the non-hunters that we're doing something wrong. Right. Well, yeah, when yeah. we fight amongst ourselves, we're just helping that. You know, I, I don't I don't hunt with dogs, but I don't have an issue with somebody else doing it. It just doesn't, sure, sure. you know, I, I've done it a few times. It's fun, but it doesn't really excite me. But that doesn't yeah, mean sure. I should tell somebody else that they don't have the right to do it or they can't, you know.
0: It, as long as it's legal and, and ethical and uh, above board, I, I don't give a, give a care, you know, which way you, you hunt or how you do it yeah. as long as it's legal. That's, that's <coughs> the same way I feel. Man.
2: So, I mean, if, if everybody so, can some, stick together, you know, we, we stand that much stronger of a front and, get the people to realize that you know we're not animals we're not evil we're not out there doing anything wrong we're not going to do anything you know it's okay it's, it's nature <laughs> i agree i, agree. I, just I did a did blog, blog on conservation, conservation. you know 100 you know, and outdoors are you know, the, the biggest, biggest conservation
3: groups there are, there are. and, and we, just we just need to, need to make sure that we team up, up on that, that with, with hunters, hunters with uh regardless of, regardless of how you
2: hunt, hunt we just we all need to and have a forward front yeah, I mean, uh, hunters contribute millions upon millions of dollars to conservation every year. Sure, probably sure. Probably tenfold over what the the anti-hunting or non-hunting organizations do. Yes. Without
0: sportsmen and, and our dollars and, and public lands, you know, wildlife would not have the uh, habitat that they have. You know, due to our tax dollars uh, through through our, our purchases and sales. Um, I, I don't think a sure, lot sure. of people realize how much. Sportsmen and women contribute, uh, you know, just for public lands and and uh, you know, c- keeping the habitat a- available for animals.
3: Yes, yes. And if and you, you take, take out, the out money, the money you, mean, just you just look just at look at the time, the time and effort, and effort, effort that, they that they put, they put in on their, their own properties. properties. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, just, just to, to make sure the, the herds take, take care, care of, of what, do what do you do to bring, bring more hunters, hunters out, out there? How do you educate? I mean, I
0: mean, it's it's big does Oh, Mike, you, you hit a good point there, too, and I, I know you recently had an event down at down at your place over the weekend, and you're always putting in food plots and stuff. You want to talk a little bit about what Roar's doing uh, in South Carolina?
3: Well, we're well, always, always to trying push to push, push forward. forward. You know, you I, know I, I, keep I keep telling people that not, not always, always about, about money. money. We, we, next, next week, week we've, we've got, got uh, the...
0: Hello, Mike, I can I can hear you now, but you kind of broke up there for a little bit.
3: Um, I was going to say, I I try to tell people all the time that roar is not always about hunting. We've got some stuff going on with the Atlanta Braves next week. Um, I'm on their council for disabilities and uh, we'll be down there. Let's see, Wednesday and Thursday. I'm currently in North Myrtle Beach right now. We're doing some uh, beach explorations. We'll be doing that about two o'clock. Uh, let's see what else do we got going on we are we've got some dove hunts coming up you know it started in south carolina uh the month of september we'll be trying to team up with a buddy of mine i went to high school with he's setting up a hunt um, later on this month um, it's, it's always something but we're, we're putting in food plots we've actually uh, on monday and tuesday next week we have uh Royal work days where we're going to be setting up some more deer stands uh, we've got two different types. We've got the elevated with a 20-foot ramp, six-by-six um, six blocks where you can get in and sit. And then we've also got some ground blinds that are PVC, so you don't even have to have a shooting rest.
0: Wow. That's, that's, that's quite a bit going on, on your plate uh, for, for the next month or two anyway.
3: Oh, yeah. You know, but it keeps me young.
0: And I are both oh, oh, about the same age, so we need something to keep us young.
3: Absolutely, and now it sounds like I'm gonna have to try to track Matt down.
0: <laughs> uh, you guys are pretty pretty close by. Yeah. Um, Mac, did did you drive down to Atlanta, or, or did you fly?
1: We did. We drove. It was about uh, nine hours. Wow. wow. Yeah, long trip, but definitely worth it.
0: You'll have to stop over and see Mike on on the way home.
1: I've actually thought about it if I can work out the time to get back and they don't keep me down here for too much longer you get free you let me know, and I'll meet
3: you
0: somewhere.
1: All right, I can do that
0: well guys what what do you want to do this year uh differently or what uh what's your goal for this
2: year with defending your titles? I guess, I don't know. I really haven't started thinking a whole lot about the 2020 season yet. I mean, everybody, we all love what we do, and, and you know, we all look forward to February when the tournaments start. But by the time the middle of August rolls around, everybody's tired. I mean, you know, we've been on the road a lot. Everybody's, everybody's tired. Um, so I really haven't kicked too much around about 2020 yet but it's getting about that time. I mean, it's time to start figuring things out. Uh, Both organizations have released their schedules for the next season. Um, So I would say probably once Mac gets home, we'll kind of sit down and and come up with a plan or itinerary, you know, as much as we can to say, okay, this is what we want to try and do or, you know, any different events or something that Mac wants to go to or somewhere to Kind of peak interest. His interest will get there, <laughs> one way or another.
0: We have to get through archery season first here. Uh, um, I'm, I'm getting ready to go in in two weeks, and then in November I'm going to be hunt- hunting down in Maryland uh, near Annapolis and Kent Island um, for their archery season too. So uh, that'll that'll get us into some practice, and maybe I'll be ready for the 2020 season with you guys.
1: I'd love to see that happen. Uh. I know that I had a lot of fun with it. So I'd like to see everybody else at least try it and give it a shot and see where that went.
2: Absolutely. It definitely definitely sounds sounds like like we need to expand our base. Well, the the nice part about it is, I mean, until you get into the the sponsors levels and all that kind of stuff, you know, a lot of guys just go to one or two events a year, you know, just go have fun. I mean, it's, even shooting, to me, shooting a local tournament is fun, but to go to these big tournaments and be surrounded by 2,000 people that love the same thing you do, that's what, what really excites me. That, that to me, is, is everything. Yeah. Um, you know, so like I said, a lot of guys just, you know, they don't get, get silly and, and travel all over the country like I do. You know, they'll pick one or two different events each year, and they go to those and just have fun and, and go. Hmm. I think
0: that would be my plan is to to make the shoot in West Virginia and um you know, get my feet wet on it a little bit and see see how it is and really just to shoot with you guys and, and uh have fun. I mean I, I know I'm not a world class archer by any means and um I'd just
2: like to have fun with it and, and see how uh,
0: see how it's done, you know.
2: It's it's addictive. I mean it it was for me obviously, but you know it's <laughs> It, it
0: is everything about the outdoors and the death of hunting father. is addicted for me. That's Exciting. that's my escape. Well, uh, is there anything else you guys wanted to talk about on the podcast today? I know we're running a little bit long, but if there's any uh, parting thoughts or anything you want to say to people that you want to encourage them to get out or anything I missed?
2: I guess the biggest thing for me is, like you said, just encourage people. I mean, there's you know when you guys like i said obviously firsthand deal with all this stuff and for me it's an outsider looking in but you know it's in the last two years it's become a very personal thing for me that years ago you, you just don't think about i guess as much as you should
0: right yeah
2: um you know and it, and it's really opened my eyes but i mean there's the, the people you'll meet in this sport, especially on the competitive side, I've got friends all across this country that I could call at two o'clock in the morning and say, Hey, man, I need something. And they would do it and pick it up and do it, no questions asked. So I know there's people all over the country that are more than willing to step up and, and help somebody get started or show them the ropes, you know, as, as it gets, as people realize that it's, it's out there. Yeah.
0: You know, there's a saying, guys, when you know better, you do better. And, you know, if people just know what people need to get started, people are kind. I mean, a lot of people want to complain about people and complain about things going on in our country. But there's a lot of kind people out there, especially sportsmen and guys that are hunting and shooting. And they, they would do anything in the world to, to help a person with a disability get get out there and, and uh, get shooting. They just they, they need to, to know what's available. And um, you guys are prime examples of, you know, setting the example and and showing people what you can do. And um, I'm I'm just proud to know all of you.
2: I mean, anybody can reach out to me at any time, you know, either directly or through the Facebook stuff. And if you're not in my area, if you're in my area, I'm more than welcome to help. If you're not, I probably know somebody in your area that can help. Matt, did you want to give out your, your information so people know how to get in touch with you? just look up trying hard outdoors on facebook
3: trying hard outdoors
2: t-r-y and no g just trying hard outdoors um and like i said you can get a hold of me pretty much 24 7 on there and uh you know like i said any anybody around here i'm more than willing to help and help and if they're not local like i said I, i probably know somebody that is local to wherever they are that can if nothing else, just kind of point them in the right direction and give them somebody to talk to and bounce ideas off of.
0: Sure, I'm sure you got friends and family in the sport all over the all over the country. So you are
2: definitely a valuable resource. Yeah, like I said, I just, you know, when you travel, we travel to these events. I mean, I've got friends in Missouri and Oklahoma and Colorado. I mean, literally all over the country that I know for a fact would do anything they possibly could to help somebody. You know, they're just they're that kind of people.
0: Awesome.
2: Awesome.
0: Mac, are, are you okay with uh, with uh, everything you wanted to say? I mean, I know you're on break and probably have to get back to physical therapy here pretty soon. but Yeah, really they gave me a little break this
1: afternoon, but uh, I'm good with everything that we've talked about and just encourage people to get out and try new things and do something that you think you might not be able to Um you know it's not easy, but it's possible um, absolutely- well, well guys thank-
0: thanks so much for uh uh joining us today and I'm gonna put everybody's contact information uh with the podcast whenever I post it sure? and if anyone has any questions, you can contact uh Matt or Mac and um Mike guy, uh, you wanna give us some parting thoughts and then we'll we'll sign out today. Well, oh, you know, I'm
3: just proud to know each and every one of you guys. I think you guys are all individually doing fantastic work. Uh, as a conglomerate, I just think there's an opportunity for everything to grow. You know, it's such a small world, not only when you're dealing with disabilities, but just people in general. Um, I think we just need to keep doing what we're doing. Chase what we love, but encourage people to get involved with it as well.
0: Absolutely.
1: Couldn't agree with okay.
0: Well, guys, thank you so much for your time today, and um, I'll get all this set up and tag everybody, and we'll go from there.
2: Sounds right. good. Thanks, Thanks for, for having you. us, and look thank forward you. to meeting all you guys and doing some work in the future. Hey, absolutely. absolutely. Thanks, Take Will. care, Matt, Mac, and we'll, we'll talk again soon.
1: Take care, Greg. All right.
3: All thank you, guys. Well. All right. You guys all right. have a great day. You too.
0: You too. Right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us today, folks. Check back soon for another episode. And remember, when it comes to the outdoors, no matter how you get there, get there.